Hi, I'm John Mather, Nobel Prize laureate and senior scientist for the James Webb Space Telescope at NASA, and you're listening to The Soul of Life. I was raised by a sociologist, psychologist. My sister's a social worker. I'm a marriage and family therapist, and my mom's crazy. That's the joke. Today on The Soul of Life, I speak with Dr. Corey Allen, sex and marriage and family therapist, author of Naked Marriage, and longtime host of Sexy Marriage Radio, a podcast devoted to straightforward, honest conversations about what goes on behind closed doors in your marriage. We don't have sex by accident. You don't all of a sudden trip and fall and wind up in a vagina. Because <laughs> if that's the case, what in the world is she laying like that on the ground for? <laughs> <laughs> Corey says sexual issues are life issues and life issues are sexual issues. If we could heal the sexual wounds of God's people, we would heal God's people. We talk about the hard work, patience, and skill it takes to stay centered, be true to yourself, and be vulnerable to your partner with physical intimacy. Sex and marriage is a long game. It's not talked about openly. There's a lot of assumptions and silence that then we take to negatives and shame and guilt. Corey's message is that none of us in our marriage or committed partnership are alone when it comes to feeling sexually frustrated at some point in married life. Normal people have problems in their sex life. Everybody faces levels of dysfunction at some point. And living proof that there is hope for every person, every couple, to learn and grow sexually even through major differences in sexual desire is Dr. Allen and his wife who co-host Sexy Marriage Radio and speak openly about their own dynamics in the bedroom. There'll be a hint around of what could be going on later that night. And she'll be, yeah, you might have to put in some time though. Well, there's sometimes it's like, I'm totally up for it. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't have the energy to put that in tonight. So I'll catch you later. Welcome to the Soul of Life. I'm Keith Miller. And this is episode six of season three, Naked Marriage, Getting Real About Sex. I really like Chinese food. And sex on the roof. And sex on the roof. And let's combine those two, right? Because we, we can bring the Chinese <laughs> and then exactly. and we'll, in any order. <laughs> exactly. I'm Keith Miller, and my podcast, The Soul of Life, is here to help you remember who you really are. I'll bring together people who have gotten off their treadmills. I'll have conversations with athletes, musicians, doctors, scientists, healers, and entrepreneurs to discuss the fascinating edges of our knowledge in neurobiology, psychology, and physics. This is The Soul of Life. Have you ever been in a position where you know that you or your family member really needs emotional support or marriage enrichment, but you find out how expensive it is to get access to high-quality, out-of-network professionals? Well, I've created the Soul of Life community just for this. At community.souloflifeshow.com, you can join for free and be part of a network of caring and supportive people having conversations that can bring healing to your soul. 
It's there that you'll find access to psychoeducational courses to deal with stress, anxiety, and relationship conflict. For example, right now I'm offering a seven-week immersive course for couples called Mindful Marriage that walks people through a mindfulness-based stress reduction curriculum I designed that really gives couples in conflict a map towards stability, trust, and deeper intimacy. Just go to community.souloflifeshow.com, check out the courses, and join for free to be part of the Soul of Life community of learners and soul seekers. Dr. Corey Allen is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's also a licensed professional counselor with a PhD in marriage and family therapy. Talking with him today about marriage because he's a guy that runs a show called Sexy Marriage Radio. We talk about intimacy in marriage. Also talk about how to keep marriage exciting and vibrant, not just get through it, but actually thrive, maybe enjoy the ride, maybe be passionate. And Corey's the guy to talk about that. Hey, Corey, how are you today? I'm great, man. This will be fun. Yeah. How is it there in Texas these, these days? Uh, stormy right now. So we'll have some, we'll have some, maybe some ambiance added in with, with some, uh, maybe we can be appropriately timed thunder. We'll see. That's perfect. Depending on the conversation, that's, that's just great to have. I also see, speaking of ambiance, you've got some interesting props or do you use the, the, <laughs> these swords that I see be sitting behind you, like in your, somehow in your, in your therapy? Well, yeah, those are, so, I mean, to jump right in, everything we do, we make meaning out of it. That's what makes humans different than all the other species is we have the ability to attach meaning to things, right? And so um, the swords are, obviously, they're beneficial when talking to people sometimes because it comes up in the conversation. But the the meaning of them is is special to me because it's reminders of my job as father and husband to uh, fight for the hearts of my family, fight for the hearts of my wife, protect my daughter, protect my son and their heart, their spirit. And so it's just each of them represent one of them. Yeah. And, and I, I just think that, uh, you know, kind of following in the ways of John Eldridge and the, you know, wild at heart and the battle to fight. It's just, it's just great reminders to realize there's other things going on that need to be dealt with too, as a, as with the role I play in my life. Sounds like it's a great uh, symbol for you. It's really it represents what you feel is a, is a role of strength and and maybe um, uh, the 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 role of protecting the warrior archetype as right. as as a male. Uh, right. Perhaps. Well, and, and I'm I'm also big in um, markers of things. You know, like transitions into adolescence, transitions out. You know, those. I'm I'm big into honoring the the seasons and the different things that happen because I think we don't do that too much in our life. We've lost our rituals. And, and things get blurred. And so that's another component that different things that we've done with the kids along the way, those swords have been involved uh, as some as part of the dynamic in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about Sexy Marriage Radio. That's how you and I met because we're, we're both doing podcasts and and I was really interested in, and appreciate your work. I think I'm always looking for allies, um, people who are interested in, in standing up for relationships. Um, saying that, hey, wait a minute, don't throw that away. Right. Uh, this this might work. This might be useful for you. Right. And uh, yeah. and so you have a perspective, and, and you, you're also down there in the the buckle of the Bible Belt. So you have. I'm interested to talk to you today about how you how you work and do your work as a licensed professional, which is in my part of the country in Maryland, really kind of like the the default place where people turn to help is is professionals and you know paying for 
therapy or something um, may not be the case everywhere in the world. It is not the case everywhere. So I'm just eager to hear about your journey and what you're doing with Sexy Marriage Radio. Okay. Well, I mean, so I mean, I hear two things in that, Keith. There's two questions, right? So one, one is Sexy Marriage Radio um, coming October this year, 2021. We'll have been on the air for 10 years. Um, it just it started as an offshoot of a blog I was running and and writing at the time called Simple Marriage, which is a great oxymoron because marriage is anything but. But maybe we can keep it simple, and that makes it better. That's my that's one of my beliefs. And every time I wrote on the topic of sex, um, the interaction was the best and the, the traffic was the best. And so it quickly became apparent that there's a need to talk more about this in an, in an open, honest, straightforward, without the crass and the crude, but also in a value based with the Christian umbrella overarching it all, but also not get into the Bible belt religious do's and don'ts and moral authority kind of thing, but just give good information and treat people like adults. And so just kind of had this idea of let's start a show. And my wife at the time, she's a CPA, had no interest. Uh, was She's a behind the scenes lady. Um, like I'll help your business in a lot of ways, but I'm not coming on the air. She wasn't like secretly like doing people's taxes and like thinking how she could talk about sex on, no, in, in public. That was not, that is not the where she was 10 years ago. Uh, so I had a colleague I'd come across in the blogosphere that she had done this, uh, sexy marriage summit was actually what she called it. And so I just reached out to her, said, Hey, you want to do a podcast with me? Let's just see what this is. And I was just learning how to do podcasting at the time. And, and so we launched it and it helped that I already had a decent sized blog following. So a lot of them just came over and then. Just organically, we just kept producing good content. And she lasted about two years, um, fortuitously met another lady in the field, um, Shannon Etheridge, that we met at a conference. And she's written 22 books on the subject um, and has a wow. whole different kind of a take as far as her platform in the Christian world. And so that was kind of an easy fit of like, okay, this is, a, this is the logical next step. And then Shannon was the co-host for four and a half years. And then since then, uh, my wife is my co-host. And then we still bring on guests. And so we kind of keep it all. It's not just our story because mm-hmm. that's not, that's beneficial, but that's not the point. People, right? I mean, people don't want to just hear about you. They want to hear about themselves. Right. They, they, every, everybody at their, at their core, we care about how does this help me? I mean, that's. So, so that's, that's what we want to have happen is we just want to speak to what really does help people because sex is one of those things, not just in the Bible belt, but everywhere. It's not talked about openly. Um, there's a lot of assumptions and silence that then we take to negatives and shame and guilt Mm -hmm. when that's not really what they are. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's not talked about. And so how do you, how do you help people calm down and realize? Normal people have problems in their sex life. Everybody faces levels of dysfunction at some point. How do we just be honest about, hey, is it okay to do X? How do you frame that in a better conversation rather than yes or no? Frame it into, well, what's the meaning of it for you? Are you into it? And if if not, then don't. And if you are, then try it. You know, it's just opening up they, people's perceptive abilities, their their capacity. Yeah. Well, I mean, sex is such an intimate thing um, in, a, in a marriage 
And that's where we keep the whole conversation is we, we try to keep it marriage focused and sure. marriage centric because we think that's the sacredness of it. Um, but that's our belief. That's other people don't have to ascribe to that. It's just our belief. Sure. Um, but it's one of those that if we can help people frame conversations about these things rather than go into it with all this angst and well, well, they'll never. And because I mean, you've been married a while too. So how many times do we still have buried in our subconscious somewhere a script of well, she said no when I proposed that on year two. So that means never rather than that's a different person that I'm with right now. Right. My wife was never wanting to be on the show and now she's on every week, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so she's a completely different person in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and has grown in a lot of ways. And so I've got to retest assumptions about her and myself about who am, who am I? Cause there could be things sexually or otherwise that I want to try out that I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to anymore. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I don't know if that means as much as I thought it did, or I tried it out and it wasn't what I hoped. And it's like, okay, well let's try something different. Yeah. 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 It's almost like you're saying if we can, if we can unhook from the, the mentality that things are fixed and things are, especially in our mind, <laughs> right? The, the solution we have that what we think is actually real. Well, that's just an event happening in your brain at that moment, that feeling. Right. And, uh, there may be more to it that sort of opens up the door to connecting to other people, connecting to the, the person that people that matter the most. Yep. In a way that matters. But it, it also helps make sex a lifelong journey and a long game, right? Cause that's, that's one of the phrases we've landed on with sex and marriage radio is the sex and marriage is a long game. So, mm. you know, initiating, instigating, it's if you can reach, re, reframe the idea that instigating sex this morning may mean it takes place in three days. Right. Fine. That's perfect. Rather than I instigated it. So it's better starting right now. No, it's, it's a language all the way through as a component of your marriage. So how do you bring that to the surface a little bit more to have that interwoven and see it as I make some sort of overture and it'll come to pass at some point, but I got to keep going with it because we don't have sex by accident. <laughs> right. Right. In a marriage, uh, especially when you have kids, and when you get older and your body works or doesn't work the way you expect it to, we don't have sex by accident. <laughs> well, even as, even as a kid, even as a young married person you know, in your 20s, when everything typically is a lot faster in their responses, you don't all of a sudden trip and fall and wind up in a vagina. I mean, it just doesn't. Because <laughs> if that's the case, what in the world is she laying like that on the ground for? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there are people who might see the world that they, they may somehow see that differently, but I totally get where you're coming from. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I totally agree with right. you. Yeah. And, um, and you're also talking about, sometimes we call this, you know, in our, in our field and like in psychology and neurobiology, we, we call it the window of tolerance. If we can keep this, we can keep that window of tolerance physiologically in our body open. Right. Uh, longer. So you're talking about the long game, being patient right. with yourself, not shutting down, not getting self-critical, not getting blaming and look for opportunities, well, then you're going to find opportunities. Stay hopeful. Yeah, and it's and it's also trying to move the whole thing to get into the realm of let's have sex that's worth wanting, not just sex for sex's sake. Just to get it done. Right, because yes, there's a pleasurable component to it. Absolutely. Hopefully for both sides every time, if not most of the time. But 
it's just there's so much more deeper going on too. And so if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, how do I focus more on the quality, not the quantity? Yeah. Of it? Like let's let's get into what I want to share with my spouse. I want it to be worth it for both of us. I want it to be meaningful and and it truly is this escape world that we've created, but it's so much more profound than that. So much more profound. And and I think you're right to say we don't talk about it. Um, we think we talk about it. I think even, so for example, I was talking to, I did a show with two Brooklyn psychologists who, who do a, a similar thing to you. They, they started their show to talk about sex. And, uh, because they're marriage and family therapists also, they, you know, they have values and, and, and understand the value of boundaries and the value of, of, um, structure, right? In a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we talked about this, even in the so-called liberal Brooklyn area. Right, so-called liberal culture. Um, there's a lot of eroticism. There's a erotic, you know. There's there's a lot of in the in in the media. There's a lot of erotic media. It's not always sexual mm-hmm. necessarily. It's not always mm-hmm. a fully you know embodied sort of thing that 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 can that can work in a relationship. Like you said, this you know fan- the difference between fantasy and reality when it comes to relationship. Um, you said that you've written that marriage is more about becoming a better human than it is about the two people being happy. And when you keep things simple, you experience more in marriage and life. It sounds a little bit like what you're saying here about sex. Right. Yeah. And I think it's also just kind of recognizing I'm in this with somebody else, right? That, it, that it's not just about me. It's not just about them. It's about what we're creating together and we co-create together. And and so it's being able to start to examine the idea of how do I recognize there's dynamics at play in a marriage that I can't change. I got to live with them. I got I got to tolerate them in a lot of ways, right? That's that's kind of the work you guys do too in mm-hmm. the sense of this is some of the fundamental nature natural forces of of our world. We don't change them. It's about accepting. Right? <laughs> yeah. So so I've got to figure out how to work within them and see how do I utilize them to make Something better to change the change the frame of it, the map of it, whatever it might be. Um, but it's to get into something deeper to see it as you know what I want to co-create with my wife is I don't want to do things and miss the the possibilities of experiencing the sweetness of her. Right? I want I want all of that, and yeah. so a lot of that is sexual, but a lot of that also is just doing life alongside each other. Right? Yeah. A good road trip with each other, a good time out in a hammock with each other a good time raising kids with you know all of these are things that help creating a better story of what we're doing and i want to be aware of who i'm doing this alongside all the way through as well yeah yeah i, I don't know if you find this Corey, but but oftentimes when somebody comes in dealing with a sexual frustration or they're they're stuck sexually in their intimacy that they are also dealing with this stuckness in other places in their life oh yeah you know, it's that idea that I've got to get somewhere. I've got to make this happen. And anxiety, like as we know, our body, when we're anxious and we're, and if we're, if we're tense, it's really difficult to get aroused. Or, you know, yeah. arousal happens when we're relaxed. Yeah. And so that often we're dealing with anxiety. I, I firmly believe that if we treat anxiety, somebody comes in saying they've got an erectile dysfunction or, or arousal disorder, and they may, they may, like it may, you know. Yeah. There could be a physical component for sure. Could be. But if we treat the anxiety, pretty much most of the time, yep. Yep. it's going to deal with it. 
Well, that's where the, so Gina, the very first co-host I had, she had this phrase that if we, if we could heal the sexual wounds of God's people, we would heal God's people. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's all interwoven. Sex right? is life. It's all. Yeah. And yeah. And we use the phrase that sex is a language. How you do sex is how you do life and how you do life is how you'll do sex. That those things are always interchangeable. So how I approach that is not any different than how I approach everything else in my life. It's brilliant. And it's, it's, it's revolutionary at the same time mm-hmm. and profound. Um, we've, we, we chatted a little bit before in a previous conversation about how, you know, counseling, you know, I've lost track of this, you know, being in Maryland, DC, in the Northeast, um, counseling is, is, can be like a religion. I'll, I'll admit, I think there really <laughs> right. can be like a religion where people put all their faith in, in turning to professionals. And it's almost, it can be even like a badge, like, you know, how many times are you seeing your shrink? You know? Um, but in other parts of the country, you've got two heads. I mean, Literally, I've talked to people where it's just like that, their culture and the, the church community that they're part of. It may not, they may not even be part of a church community anymore, but they were just raised. Right. You just don't talk about stuff outside to outside people. Right. And uh, so, do you do you how do you how do you um, navigate that world? Right. In 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 a part of the country where people do turn to their pastors, I think, and, and sort of expected to. That's the yeah, go-to. there's a lot of there's a lot of times here in the Midwest and the South where uh, the pastoral role is very important in people's lives, and I'm not going to discount that. I just want to make sure uh, pastors that are out there stay in their lane <laughs> because some of the things I think they dabble into they end up give, causing more harm. Please take the time now to subscribe to the Soul of Life wherever you're listening. Give it a thumbs up or write a positive review. Right. Their, their role is the, the spiritual nature, the spiritual component, the pastoring. And I think that's an important, vital part. Doesn't matter where you live in the world. I think the spirit, I think spiritual things exist. Let's deal with them. And that's a great avenue. Um, I try to collaborate with a lot of different pastors and churches here. The ones that do recognize, um, okay, there's stuff that's beyond my skill set. So here you need to go see some. Somebody else, and I'm on that list. Um, but when you come to just the everyday people or the people in the pews, um, it's across the board. I mean, here in Texas, the world is smaller with the sense that how many transplants there are. It's not just dyed in the wool Texans anymore. Um, there's a lot of people from all over, from, from the coast, particularly because the cost of living and the economy and everything. Yeah. They move inland, the it's jobs. cheaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, there's some of that has changed. Uh, it's still not across the board as far as the culture of it's really in vogue. But I also have the benefit because of Sexy Marriage Radio. I work with people from all over the world. And so, um, that catches, that captures all, all corners. But I, I don't know. I mean, you, you tell me what you think on this too. Let's kind of flip it to a little quick dialogue. Um, because if you think of the seminal work for our field with mainly, you know, Freud getting a lot of the credit and he's got his own, uh, view of how, or people have their own view of how they, you say the name Freud and they're like, Oh, you know, that immediately sends up the radar or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's that perverted dude, you know, whatever. <laughs> and that immediately shuts every, <laughs> some things down. And some are like, Oh yeah, that dude's brilliant. You know, and so it's right. across the board on that. And I think that's kind of, 
Yeah. Know, it's well, evolved so far beyond that, it but is, it's just kind of, that's the marker that started it. That's what people think is still the marker maybe. And, yep. and, uh, as you know, as you know, as an MFT, marriage and family therapist, the, the family therapy revolution was a revolution. A lot of people don't even realize that, that, so after right. Freud was the cognitive, so-called cognitive behavior, uh, cognitive and then behavioral, first behavioral, then cognitive, you know, and then, so in other words, you know, the behaviors came in, Skinner, and it's yep. really kind of, putting Freud uh, in its place saying, look, no, it's actually about human behaviors and that's where we need to focus. And then people coming in saying, no, wait, actually, it's not about any one person's behavior. That's right. kind of, it, it, that's important, but but we cannot take the person out of the family right. that they've come from or the family right. they're in. And, so, and then, of course, now we're in this, um, be, you know, tra- beyond family therapy now, beyond just thinking about the family, it's about, the the neurobiology interpersonal neurobiology mindfulness yep. um trauma i mean you can't you can't go five feet in a in a room of therapists without somebody saying trauma yep um for better or worse yeah. sometimes maybe we're over yeah. over diagnosing trauma yeah i think everything's everything's kind of become specialized and they're trying to corner their little section of the market and which industries do that right yep. i mean that's just professions all we find our kind Yep. And we're the right ones. They're the wrong ones. And maybe that's an undercurrent at times, but it's just, I think that a lot of that has helped muddy some of the different areas where it's harder to get in there. Cause that's the one thing I keep telling people. If you're looking for therapy, if you feel like you need help, ask some friends, mm-hmm. you know, because it's likely they actually have talked to somebody or mm-hmm. they know of somebody that's talked to somebody and, that gets you hooked up with somebody because I'm assuming the coasts are similar to the schooling I've done and the profession and the meetups I can go to of, of people in my field. Um, there's still a percentage of the people doing this work that actually need to be on the couch, not in the chair, right? And that's why they're doing it is yeah. because it's like I can focus on other people. And not that that's a bad thing in in a long run, but it also is not the healthiest. No, of course. I, I Somebody was joking me the, with the other day. I think it was on the show, but they were saying, you know, this is an old joke, but therapists are the are the people that need thirty hours of therapy a week, yeah, for, for themselves. Yeah, well, uh, one of my ther- one of my uh, professors in the doc program always talked about that. On the whole, therapists are some of the most poorly developed humans on the planet. <laughs> it's like, wait, do you know your audience? Who you're talking to here? <laughs> but yeah. It, there's some truth to it in a sense because yeah. you know, there's things that we need to still be working through because we get in, we get introduced to a lot of things too. It's true. It, it's a it's a speaking of swords. It's a double edged sword, right? So yeah. like I can speak for myself on this, Corey. That you know, certainly for for the first half at least of my marriage, it was I didn't realize that the the way that I would approach issues with my wife would be um, kind of from a place of knowing it all. Yeah. And, and I didn't quite, you know, realize how that uh, authority of being a therapist and being an expert was serving me and, and protecting me and keeping me closed off from, from, from her and from people. So right. yeah, I think we're all on a journey, but that would, that's been my journey is realizing Yeah, and I'm a social worker. So we, t- social workers tend to be trained to sort of just show up and see what happens. So that, you know, on the one hand, I, I think, on the other hand, we, we may not be trained to know what to do, but um, we'll, sh- we'll at least show up and smile and sort of be warm and human. 
Right. And, uh, but the dogmatism, you know, can get in the way of connecting with people. Yeah. Oh, thinking, thinking uh, yeah, in. absolutely. And I mean, ultimately, if you boil it down, I mean, if you're just talking about our profession, if you boil it down, a lot of times the training, what it needs to do best is help people actually deal with their own stuff better to recognize the line to then shift over into, okay, now how can I be of help to other people where it's yeah. not as blurred? Because oh, yeah. now I'm helping me while I'm helping you rather yeah. than... You, you got to use this model on yourself. You got to go into your own therapy. And yeah. that raises the bar so much. I, yep. I got to tell you, Corey, when you do your own work first. Um, well, how are you going to handle the intensity of, of really deep into life therapy yeah. if you can't handle the, the intensity in the room? Mm-hmm. Because how often do we as a therapist get into something that's icky or just flat out evil and cruel and we start shutting down the anxiety because I'm uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. rather than, no, that's a part of this process. I've got to realize that person's walking around with this and has for a long, long time. That's right. So how do I give it room, give it the honor it's due, give it the course that's possibility to explore, to uncover and, 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 and heal from it some and make sense of it and relationships with it differently, you know, and just that's, that's difficult work. I mean, those yeah. are the hits that we take in the, in the chair yeah. that man, some of those suckers, that's why I got a dog because <laughs> I come home and I rub her ear. Yeah. After some sessions, it's like, yeah, yeah that's you, my therapy. It's just pet her. That's that sensory sensory fun oh, yeah. kind of feel. Right. Like I got to calm myself down because that was a serious hit in that session. That's right. that's right. We have to have our sources, um, spiritual sources that that help yeah. us stay connected to ground or to to God. And um, and in your your journey about being a professional healer, I mean. Why did you why did you get into this in the first place? I mean, this is like you said, it can yeah. be difficult to stay in the in the room. Well, like that. so this is this is something that uh, the the lighter way to think of this is this is what I was born into. Hmm. So my father is uh, had just retired as a professor. Uh, the easiest way to probably describe it would be sociology, uh, but he kind of was in all like psychology, sociology, social work, mm-hmm. family therapy. I mean, he kind of. He never was licensed. He just always was a professor. Uh, but for 42 years, the same college. And so I was, I was raised by a sociologist, psychologist, if you will. Uh, my sister's a social worker. I'm a marriage and family therapist and my mom's crazy. That's the way we kind of talk about it as the joke because <laughs> she's battled anxiety and depression for a long, ever since I was in high school is when it's really been known. And, and I don't mean that as a blanket statement, everybody's crazy, but everybody's crazy. We all are, mm-hmm. right? Um, but so I just, that was one of those things I was raised by a, a systems guy. And so it always has just made sense yeah. on just the family dynamic and the family system and just kind of watching the way things would evolve and unfold. And so I originally went to school, undergrad, um, coming out of high school to do youth and family ministry. And that was going to be the plan was do, minist- do youth ministry for a while and then just transition naturally over into family ministry, add the counseling component to it, work for a church, be of good service to uh, God's people in that way. And um, so that was the plan. Uh, it didn't come, go completely as, as planned because um, sometimes your own stupidity and mistakes, like an emotional f- affair on my part. You know, that ruins ministry opportunities quite a bit, which it should. 
so left the ministry, spent two years just getting my life back together and healing, saving my marriage in a lot of ways. But I did that by just dealing with me better mm-hmm. on just who I was not who I wanted to be at 27, 28. And so that took me on this little three-year detour into the business world of just being a mortgage broker, of which was a weird kind of thing that thought I thought that could be beneficial. I could help people, you know, but that's not me. I'm not wired that way. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years into that, I started, went back to school uh, to start the counseling world. And because that was kind of on the radar anyway. And when I started school, I realized, you know, if I'm doing this, I'm not, I'm not just going to do the master's level. I want to do the full on, uh, just for the credentialing, the training, uh, what it, the opportunities it opens and affords. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so, and, and, you know, you know, full well, uh, this is a profession we can do the rest of our life that the, the, every year that passes and the more I look older, the more credibility I get in people's eyes, even though I maybe have to stop training completely, which I haven't, but <laughs> just in case, you know, it's like, oh, but you, you got gray in your goatee now. You, you must know what you're talking about. Like, well, no, not really. I'm just older. That's all that means. <laughs> yeah. Age, age is one of those things in our profession, which is a, is a, it, it ages, we age well in our profession. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, but to your point though, we do have to stay sharp. It's not an automatic, it's not an automatic. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause you still get the clients that, I mean, some of the hardest ones I've ever had, if I look back on my profession are the people that are quote unquote, my grandparents Yeah, yeah. coming to me. And it's like, okay, I got to get out of that. Wait, I'm not talking to grandma and grandpa here. Yeah. I, you know, I gotta, you gotta get to work. I gotta, I gotta do this differently, right? This is, uh, this is, they still have the struggles just like a 20, 30, yes. 40 year old, doesn't matter. That's you know, right. They still have tension and, you know, we'll hate each other at times. Perfect. That's real life. Let's, yeah. let's deal with it. It's real life. I, I'm always struck by how fragile, uh, our parts are when we discover, when we get down, when parts of us that get triggered in intimacy, how, how, how dented and out of shape they get. And like, just like little kids, like, just yeah. like little kids that they need, need that attention and, and belonging, no matter how old we are. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I'm curious though, from the way when you come across uh, a dent and, and if, if it's labeled with a little bit of fragility, what would you do? Would you go after it? Would you kind of create room for it? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question, right? Because a lot of our, uh, there, there's a lot of techniques, we just call them technologies, um, you know, uh, that people are trained to go after the vulnerability, right? Well, yeah. like we just want emotions. Here, have the tissue box. Just if you're, it's, as long as you're getting in touch with that inner child, then, then we're doing good therapy. I don't believe that. Okay. I don't believe that. I think that's, it's been a helpful addition to our, to our, uh, encyclopedia of, of knowledge that people might have these vulnerable parts, but, um, the name of the game is, is getting into relationship with those parts. And that, and that can look differently for different people. Sometimes it just sure. means, Sitting in there and, and getting their imagination going, getting them to be able to get a sense for what it looks like to other people. Okay. So yeah, it all depends. It all depends. What are some of your favorite topics to teach about as it relates to sex, intimacy, eroticism? Any myths that you love to debunk? The biggest myth that I keep seeing across the board is all of these various techniques to help your sex life, right? Like as if, as if somebody's cornered that thing, because if that was actually the case, there would only be one magazine ever sold. Right. right. It would cover it, all. it. 
it would have the list. We all do the list. We're done. Sold. We don't need any more. But yet, no, there's every week, there's more 62 ways to make him curl his toes, you know, 32 ways to make her swoon, you know, all these different things. I'm like, nah, hold on. So all of these things serve a purpose that I keep hearing in my field of you got to have regular date night. You got to make sure you get away. You got to have regular conversation. You got, you know, all these things are great band-aids, but none of them solve the problems of desire, right? Because if you get down to it, look at this as the language, right? That I want to have sex with my wife, but underneath it all, I want her to want to have sex with me, not just have sex. with yeah. me. There's a big difference, yeah. right? And, we are all capable as humans to understand and women might have a little more a finely attuned uh, radar with this, but we're all capable to recognize the difference between when my spouse just wants to have sex and when they want to have sex with me, there's a big difference. Right. And so that's, that's the stuff I love talking about teaching on just helping people see it better to then take the courageous step to call it out more. Because if I'm somebody that has a responsive sexual desire, which a lot of people do, yep, a lot of women do, and that's that's been helpful for them to name that it's okay. I do have actually a sexual desire, but it's responsive. I I, yep. need, to, I need to know that you care for me, and then I will respond. Yep. Then the response yeah, but that's, happens. Well, absolutely, but that's also look at there's two sides to that dynamic because typically they're going to be married to somebody that's more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. They still there's still a trigger somewhere in there yeah. that's responsive, but it's it takes less on the threshold mm-hmm. to get them rolling. And so this conversation my wife and I actually have is like there'll be a hint around of what could be going on later that night. Mm-hmm. And she'll cause she's responsive and she'll be, Yeah, you might have to put in some time though. Meaning, then what I'll does get that there. do for you? How does that make you feel? Well, there's sometimes it's like, I'm totally up for it. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't have the energy to put that in tonight. So I'll catch you later, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, so it's just, how do we have better, better conversations to name this dynamic? Mm-hmm. Because that's the kind of stuff I think helps empower people the best in their life. Yep. Because again, there are times where one of you is a certain way and then there'll be a time where that shifts. And that's what throws people off too is when a lower desire partner, it's that's always been a lower desire, all of a sudden has a moment of higher desire. Most of the time, the higher desire partners all like, I just would love it if you would initiate. I would just love it if you would just take me by the hand and throw me down and go. And, mm-hmm. and then when they actually do it, it freaks the higher desire out so much, they shut it down which is a huge wound, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's a hit Mm -hmm. to the lower desire that mustered all that it took to get them to that point. They actually try it out. Mm -hmm. Then they got shot. And now you further ingrained that trench between you. And that's the kind of dynamics I like to help give people a picture of and start to just see, okay, how are you a better higher desire? How are you a better lower desire? How How do you deal with the polarity that goes on here? Because that actual polarity, to quote Esther Perel, is talking about the idea of the erotic exists between you. Mm-hmm. Being able to play in that, er- that realm and hold on to yourself better is what helps create something so much deeper, not just in your sex life, in your whole life. Mm-hmm. And it really, to bring, go back to what you said about the long game, that if you can hold what we call some, some, sometimes the big mind, 
yep. meta awareness. Like this is this is just one, like you said, this is what's happening today. Yep. As opposed to this is this is an, uh, a jury that has convicted me in my way. Right. I am guilty. And I'm never going to try this again. I'm in jail now. Yeah, now I'll be serving time the rest of my life. Time. This now one. this will yep. never change. And a lot of us build those prisons pretty darn easily when it comes to, because shame is one of the biggest, uh, <laughs> one of the biggest, uh, bars of those prisons, right? When we start to feel shame. Yeah. And it's so easy how that card gets played by our partner who's not on board, mm-hmm. right? They don't want what we want. And that, I mean, this is so the, the theorist I trained under was uh, David Schnarch. Mm-hmm. And that, that he was the guy that I uh, would eat up everything he wrote. Passed and, away and this did. past year? Last October in, in 20. Yep. And, but he used to have a phrase that, um, as kind of a good way to look at our growth journey, he'd have this, the way he would describe it is when you're at a lower desire or, or lower or more other validated where you care more about what your partner responds and confirms what you want. So if I was to propose to my wife tonight, Hey, uh, you know, even though it's been really rainy here, let's go have sex on the roof tonight. You know, we'll do, we'll do it in the dark and it'll be. Just somewhat an example, safe, but just it's still a risky. Example, but let's right. Say. Well, I don't know. I might actually propose this to her. Who knows? Um, but if, but if she is kind of not as well defined and solid, I guess you could say. And I'm not trying to make this as a hierarchy because we're all on a developmental continuum. But it's likely she could respond with, "That's gross, perverted, and disgusting. Why would you want to do that?" And if I'm not really solid, I'll. Oh, I was just joking. You know, I was just. I had this conversation on a podcast today with Keith and he suggested it. He thought it was a good idea. I would blame somebody else, right? It's like, and, and, and I tell people, yeah, I tell people jokingly, blame sexy marriage radio for some of these things. Dude, that's fine. Uh, we could take it. But if I'm more solid and more exposed with, with what I'm interested in, because some of the stuff we're interested in, it's, it's questionable to say the least. That's the fantasy it's kind risky, of stuff. It's risky, right? It's vulnerable. Right. So if I'm in yeah. that scenario, but I'm coming at it with a little more feet under me, I would say the same thing. Like, hey, babe, let's have sex on the roof tonight. She's like, that's gross, preferred, disgusting. Why would you want to do that? My response is going to be more likely. That's exactly why I want to do it. Because it's gross, preferred, and disgusting. And I want to share it with you. Come mm. on, baby. Let's. Mm. And she can still say no, but it's just kind of a different way to look at how often do I, I want to eat Chinese for the 16th day in a row, but I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to be judged. Mm. But I really want it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a developmental lens to look at what's going on between us and more importantly, who I am in the midst of what's going on between us mm-hmm. to realize I really like Chinese food and, and sex I'm on okay the roof. and sex on the roof. And let's combine those two, right? We can, we can bring the Chinese and then <laughs> exactly. in any order. <laughs> exactly. And then add another layer to it because this is what's interesting to me that the past couple of years has become more and more clear. Most of the time, if you're talking about the pressure cooker of marriage when it comes to sex or any other thing that, that can be volatile, we get into this realm where the higher desire stops asking as much because they don't want the rejection. Yeah. I want assurances, right? Tell me you're going to say yes, and then I'll say no, and then I'll pursue. But we don't get it that way in life. But what they fail to realize is what's already present. The fact that they're not asking is still a rejection. Mm. It's, it's a default pre-assumed belief belief right and so it's this whole okay so if you can just get people to start seeing or anybody listening to this start hearing the idea of what matters is not what's missing what matters is what's present 
that's the problem in marriage is it's not on her radar. I mean, here we are still in tax season in Texas because it got extended. So she's got one more week from the time we're recording this, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the never ending tax season the last two years. Yeah, right. And so when I call her during the day because I need something or if I call her and I want to be a little playful or I bring up something, it's very, very likely sex is nowhere on her radar, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But I can take that. The older less defined me would take that as a hit of how could you not be thinking about this? How could that, it's not important to you. Rather than, yeah, it's not important to her right now. So what? She's at her job. She's doing good work. Mm-hmm. That who is she when she comes home? That's all I care about. You, you found know, a in way that to, regard. You found a way to metabolize that pain in some way that right. you can handle it. Well, so where do you see Sexy Marriage Radio community going in the next year? It sounds like you're doing live events. That sounds great. I know I just launched a course. It starts on Tuesday, seven weeks, mindful marriage course. Takes people through basic stress reduction for for couples. Okay. Stress you know, triggers for couples. Right. Like I call them allergies. We're all yeah. We all develop some allergies. How can we desensitize to those allergies? Um, and you're doing some in-person learning. What do you see for the next year? So in the future, we're going to actually start doing uh, the getaways on the road and, and do them in different parts of the country yeah. uh, a couple times a year, kind of like a bi-coastal thing. So mm-hmm. help, maybe help open it up to people that couldn't travel to the Midwest as easy. If we stay a little more local, maybe that'll help. Um, we also this year are rolling out three courses, uh, hopefully before the end of the year. Uh, that's called the Wanting to Be Wanted series because that's the undercurrent I think everybody is after is I just want to be wanted. Yeah. And, and so we're going to unpack that. One course is based on the idea of what do you do when there's been some turmoil and some struggle? How do I rekindle and connect? And then the other is just the desire course where we're going to get to more into the elements of what desire really is and how do you cultivate it. And then the last one is just on harnessing all of that into your sexual intimacy and connection. Well, I hope you get a chance to come up here and visit, visit us and, and, and oh, absolutely. get together. We put you on the radar. Stop in. Uh, my neighbors who are listening to this can, uh, can make room for the camper for, for a few <laughs> days here on, on our, on our street. I'm sure. Um, that's great, Corey. Um, yeah, it sounds like we're doing some similar things. Offering, you know, I imagine these courses are uh, affordable. Like sometimes therapy is just not affordable to people, right? So that's right. you're really doing a service. We're doing a service by offering that. I think this whole community we're trying to create of people that can come find us for a season or come stay, um, because marriage problems exist. They're not going away. When you get out of one, there will be another one coming at that's some right. point. Right. But how do we deal with them better? And yeah. how do we realize we're not alone in them? That's the point. That's the main goal we've got with the nation. Yeah, that's a great service and such a benefit. I'm so glad to have you, Dr. Corey Allen, host of Sexy Marriage Radio. Hey, great to see you today. Thanks. This has been fun. Hey, I've started a community for Soul of Life fans interested in talking about episodes or getting more information about some of my teaching on IFS, mindfulness, and relationship growth. Head on over to community.souloflifeshow to get access to this group of really cool people just like you who care about the show and want to talk about episodes or or hear more, get access to courses, and, and support each other through life. That's what this is all about. Please leave an iTunes rating for the show and subscribe now wherever you listen to get more soul in your life. I like it and it's not harsh to my eardrum. All right, I will go.